Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PyTorch Dev Podcast. Today, I want to talk about a topic that I've received two requests for uh, when soliciting topics to talk about in the podcast, and this topic is variable. Actually, it's a kind of strange topic to be talking about because if you look at PyTorch today in the Python front end, there actually is no variable anymore, and that's because we got rid of it. Uh, it was a banner feature in PyTorch 0.4, and then a bit later, um, we actually got rid of it in the C++ code. Although there's still a bunch of places where you know we still talk about variable. That's just because we've been too lazy to rename all the uh, type names in the code base. Ha 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 ha. But it's still really useful to know the history behind um, you know, variable because there are a lot of like strange APIs that still exist because of the fact that tensors were structured in a different way. And it's also kind of informative just to like look at how the um, format of tensors has evolved over time and also where they might be going in the future because um, I would definitely not be the person who would say that we are in a perfect state. So where does our story begin? Our story begins a long, long time ago, uh, even before the existence of uh, C++ Autograd and PyTorch uh, in LuaTorch. So in LuaTorch, um, tensor was represented as a C struct. And remember this thing, right? How uh, the TH library in LuaTorch has a bunch of C code that's munged about with a preprocessor. Well, that's true for the data type as well. So when we wrote th code, um, we had a C struct and there was a separate C struct for every D type we supported. So there was a th float tensor, a th double tensor, a th int tensor, and so forth and so forth. This made life really hard if you wanted to write code polymorphically over different tensor types, but it didn't matter because we were just you know rewriting all of our code every time when you uh, like uh, wrote code in TH, we just you know redefined the macros and then stamped out different versions of the code. So along comes PyTorch, and um, we're still using the good old-fashioned uh, TH tensors. Um, and uh, Zach comes along, right, and he wants to build this A10 C++ library. And one of the things that he needs in the C++ library is he wants to be able to write code polymorphically over device types without templating them. Because you see, in C++, if you write templated code, you don't actually get to type check the contents of your template, right? Like the way C++ works, well, until you know C++ 20 whatever concepts come along, the way C++ works is that when you write a templated function, C++ only checks the stuff that isn't related to the template. Anything related to the template is deferred until you actually instantiate the template in question. So, you know, C++ templates are famously um, a source of really bad error messages. And so, you know, we had a bunch of people who were previously writing all of our operations in Python, and we were going to try to write them in C++. And so, like, forcing them to template all their code on D-type would have been a really, really bad idea. So, like, if there was one good idea in the A10 library, it was this. Don't parameterize your tensor type on D-type. Okay, so we had a single tensor type, and we uh, put it all together, and we said, okay, there's going to be a single tensor impl that represents all the D types in question, and that's going to be pretty cool. But remember that the TH library and um, Zach's ATEM library didn't know anything about automatic differentiation. And at the time, AD was implemented entirely in Python. So there was like no concept of this in C++. And this was true in Lua Torch as well. AD was a thing that was implemented in Lua, not inside the libraries themselves. And so uh, when Sam came along and he was like, oh my God, um, you know, 
autograd is too slow. We need to make it faster, and we're going to do it by porting it to C++. He was in the position of needing to write an implementation of autograd in C++ rather than in Python. And so uh, the most obvious way to do this was to preserve the abstraction barrier that was enforced upon us when autograd was written in Python, namely that the tensor subsystem knows nothing about automatic differentiation. So let's think about it, right? Like say you have some library that gives you a tensor object and lets you do various basic operations on them. Well, what if you want to augment this with some notion of history and a notion of an autograd tape that you record graph operations to do later when you want to autograd on them? Well, if you have this strong abstraction barrier between the tensor and the AD system, you can actually modify your tensors to like add the new metadata you need. So what are you going to do? You're going to wrap them in a variable. So variables were just this wrapper around tensors that you know gave all the extra metadata that you needed to get your stuff working in the situation. And so it started off as a requirement, right? Because Autograd was written in Python. And then when we moved everything to C++, well, the most easy thing to do was to preserve this abstraction mirror. So, you know, uh, we had everything in C++, but, you know, it was still like implemented as there is a variable wrapper and it is on top of the ATEN library. And in fact, they even lived in separate dynamic libraries, if you remember the dynamic library podcast. So, okay, so we've got this variable concept and, you know, it's like 0.3 in PyTorch days and, you know, we've got tons of people using PyTorch and they love it and we keep getting all these questions about when should I wrap my tensors in variables? What's the difference between a variable and a tensor? Um, when do I use dot data to get a tensor out? And what we discovered is that it was actually really, really confusing for people to have to manage both variables and tensors. Now, it was a really like easy way to organize the code when we were implementing it. But the problem from the user experience perspective is there's too much expressivity, there's too much freedom in this uh, representation. Namely, you can have a tensor, you can have a variable that doesn't require grad, and you can have another variable that does require grad. And the problem is that, you know, each of these three states, uh, the tensor state and the variable doesn't require grad state, these states are basically the same. Like semantically, they do exactly the same thing. The only problem is, well, you know, well, you've got this variable thing, you've got this tensor thing. So people have to, you know, worry about, you know, switching between these two modes, even though like, you know, in, if they're just thinking about like, what is it they want to do, right? Like what they really want to do is they want some tensors to record gradient, gradients and some to not. And, you know, having to deal with this extra distinction that doesn't do anything useful, well, that's pretty confusing and they don't like that. So we were like, okay, in 0.4, we want to get rid of variable, right? And we want to just make it so that um, when you're writing PyTorch code, uh, you don't have to deal with, you know, remembering if you wrapped something in a variable or not. So we got rid of variable. How did we do it? Well, we cheated. The way we cheated was we just said, okay, well, uh, we've got this big C++ implementation with variable and tensor and like, ugh, you know, uh, it's a ton of code to refactor. We don't really feel like refactoring it. Also, we didn't actually know how to do this refactor. So here's what we're going to do. In PyTorch, we're only going to provide you variables. So like this thing that we call tensor, secretly it's a variable. And you know, that means that, you know, we've eliminated this illegal state when you don't actually get to, um, 
you know, look at the uh, you, the illegal state is now a bare tensor, right? Because you, all you have are variables or variables with Ricardo's grad. And that worked pretty well for a while. So we had this problem though, which is that like in the Python API, there's only tensor. But if you like dive down to C++ and you're like a C++ writer, there's actually still this variable concept. And so one of the things that like we really wanted to do was, you know, hey, like maybe we want the Python and the C++ APIs to look the same. Like maybe that's a good idea and um, we can do it. But there's a problem. And here's the problem. The problem is that the way we implemented um, Autograd is um, via this unwrapping operation on variables. So the idea is that like you have a bunch of um, uh, variables floating around, you do some operation on them. And when you do the operation, well, you know, you've got a variable. So you go over to the variable implementation. And let's say you're doing the implementation of add. So um, we, we're gonna set up some autograd graph, right? To like, you know, record. And then we wanna actually run the original, uh, the original code that actually implements the add kernel. So how do we do that? Well, inside every variable, it's there's a tensor that you can unwrap from it. So we just unwrap the tensors from the variables, and then we call add on those. And those are just tensors, they're not variables, and so we can actually get to the actual kernel in question. So how do we do this for if there's no separation between variables and tensors? If every tensor is a variable, how do we actually do this? And you think to yourself, oh yeah, you know, Ed, what you should just do in this situation is um, you should like make a super call, right? Like uh, you, um, you've you got your autograd code and then you just want to call super colon colon add and that'll bounce you over to, um, you know, whatever the, uh, you know, un uh, the, the parent implementation is ostensibly doing the actual addition. But we have a lot of operators in PyTorch and many of these operators actually call other operators in their implementations. And when they call those other operators, you don't actually want them to hit autograd in the situation. You want them to go and um, you want them to go and go straight to the you know non-autograd actual kernel computation, right? Because it's sort of like you know once you do an autograd uh, call. Um, you've actually, you're done. There, there, there's no like internal autograd bookkeeping you need to do. Like it's a single atomic unit in the situation. So you wanna bypass everything underneath. Those of you who have read my dispatcher talk know how we solve this problem. So Will Feng implemented the C++ uh, tensor variable merge. And the way we solved the problem was we introduced some thread local state. So what we said was, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have these variables and um, we're gonna you know, do our autograddy stuff on them. And then we're gonna set some thread local state that says, don't do any more autograd stuff. That's actually what auto non-variable type mode used to do. We, we've killed that now. Check out the inference mode podcast for more details on that. So we, so we set this um, TLS and now whenever we do um, uh, function calls, we just check is you know the autograd skip TLS bit set. And if it is set, then you know we go and go to the actual kernel instead. The actual implementation is more complicated than that, but if you're just thinking about autograd, this is all you need to know. And so in that way, we didn't actually have to do any unwrapping step to actually you know make it so that we stopped running the autograd code and started running the tensor code. Now there were a few other complications. So one of the things that was supported in the variable API is this data uh, attribute. So what does the data attribute look like? Well, you know, if I have a tensor X, then I can say X dot data and I'll get out, well, who knows what it does today, 
But in the old days, right, if you had a variable, well, you know, x was the variable and then x.data was the tensor on the inside. And so if x was a thing that requires a gradient, well, x.data is a plain old tensor, obviously doesn't require a gradient. So we had to like figure out like what exactly these um, things should do in the new world order because we're not wrapping variables anymore. So there aren't any, there, there's no tensor inside waiting to, you know, burst out. Sorry, the tensor was not inside you all along. So what are you gonna do, right? Uh, well, we just looked at those semantics and we were like, okay, well, you know, what is this x.data? Well, it alias is the same storage as the original tensor. So it's kind of like a alias call, but you know, it doesn't require a gradient even if the variable required a gradient. So it's kind of like a detached call. So, you know, and you know, what, what about the version counters? Well, version counters were a concept on variable originally, and then we put them on tensor. And uh, so what are version counters? Well, uh, that's a long story for another time. But if you know what version counters are, where we stored version counters on variables. When we put them on tensors, um, if you took out the data, the, the inside tensor of the variable, you would actually disconnect from the original version counter. So we also simulated that behavior. So we basically, we like looked and we we're like, what is all the observable uh, behavior you could see when you did a dot data and then try to figure out what that would look like in a universe where, you know, there are no variables, right? Everything's just a tensor. So that was done and it sort of worked for a while. We were in this weird nether state where we had collapsed the representation. So there was only one, uh, there was only one tensor representation rather than a variable wrapping a tensor, but we hadn't actually expunged all the variable classes from the code base. And then later I actually went and finished off the job and got rid of all those wrappers. And then that's sort of where we are today, right? So um, we have tensors, it's a single struct, but this struct has a few fields really one field dedicated for um, letting you slot in autograd metadata if you actually want it in the future. Um, this data is not actually defined in Tensor. Um, it still lives in a separate dynamic library uh, the, um, in the autograd folder in CSERC and uh, it contains a bunch of extra data. And so if you don't actually require autograd, we don't bother allocating all this data and you can save a bunch of um, time by the way, one of the reasons why, you know, inference mode and, uh, you know, no grad mode is faster than, you know, if you're recording autograd. And so that's like basically the state of tensor today. So where could we be going in the future with this? Well, one of the things that um, people have been looking into recently is how to uh, make it so that you can um, nest uh, automatic differentiation repeatedly in a style that is not the same old style that we normally support double backwards in PyTorch. Namely, you know, you retain graph and then you backprop through the graph again. So more like a Jack style, like, you know, uh, repeatedly differentiate a piece of code um, ahead of time. So how can we do that? Well, we've got a prototype that knows how to do this. And actually it's done by, well, who would guess wrapping the tensor into multiple levels of uh, gradient tracking to make it work out. So I don't know, revenge of the wrappers, I suppose. So that's all I wanted to say about um, a variable today. Um, see you all next time.